welcome to the All Things Protest podcast. I'm Rob Sneckenberg, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Olivia Lynch and Christian Curran. Today, we'll discuss the problematic but surprisingly not uncommon scenario in which an agency inadvertently releases an offeror's proprietary pricing. Using a recent GAO decision to illustrate the situation, we'll discuss first the agency's options and what GAO will evaluate, and then we'll turn to the contractor perspective. What happens if it's your information? Or what happens if you're a competitor and you discover that someone else's information has been released? We'll get into these details in a bit. To start, Olivia, would you please summarize GAO's recent decision on this topic? Sure, Rob. So this protest was in Marset Government Inc. B 419583.1 and 2. So this case involved a Defense Information Systems Agency procurement for commercial broadband satellite services. Immarset was the incumbent contractor, and this protest of procurement was for a follow-on contract. And, and what happened was DISA publicly posted on what was then beta.sam.gov a draft solicitation, uh, which included a Microsoft Excel pricing workbook that showed offers how they would have to build up their pricing. The problem was that this Excel document contained an assumptions and methodologies tab, which presented DISA's method for preparing its IGCE for this procurement, and it showed that many of the data sources for the IGCE was in Marset's incoming contract. Moreover, the Excel document had hidden worksheets that actually showed in Marset's incumbent pricing. Uh, and so there were 19 tabs that were, were hidden initially, but could be unhid by a user. And many of these tabs revealed um, in Marset's historical bandwidth pricing. And, and GAO gave a couple examples in its decision. So DISA removed the draft solicitation Excel from beta.sam.gov. But that was really the extent of what it did, because DISA concluded that there was nothing that it could do about non-U.S. government aggregators that downloaded and republished the solicitation information. DISA also didn't want to highlight uh, that it had released this data for Immarsit's competitors, so it didn't notify any of the potential offers that were going to compete in the procurement, um, you know, by example, advising them that it, it had been posted, but uh, informing you know, potential offers not to actually look at uh, the, the data that was in the Excel document. So other than taking the information down from beta.sam.gov, DISA uh, essentially did nothing to mitigate the potential harm to Inmarset. Instead, the agency conducted a PIA investigation and said the disclosure was inadvertent as well as non-prejudicial since the information released wasn't competitively useful and uh, instead was stale. Ultimately, Inmarset protested uh, following the release of the solicitation, alleging that the information that had been released was competitively useful and in many respects reflected its current pricing, uh, which was not stale. After conducting a hearing, GAO sustained the protest, uh, holding that certain categories of information were not competitively useful, but that others were, given how detailed they were and, and that they reflected current prices. JO also explained that various changes that DISA had made to some of the CLIN pricing uh, that was included in the final solicitation was either minor or cosmetic and did nothing to ameliorate the harm. JO wound up sustaining and recommend, recommending that DISA either cancel or substantially revise the solicitation. Thanks, Olivia. 
So let's break this down a bit because there's a lot to unpack in this case. Um, Christian, I know you've been involved in a number of protests with uh, inadvertent releases like this. So, you know, from the agency and GAO perspective, what are the considerations or what are the key legal issues in these cases? Thanks, Rob. Yeah, inadvertent disclosure cases are tricky, um, but really what this boils down to and what GAO is going to look at is, was there harm and what did the agency do to mitigate it? Um, so in, in most cases, you'll see when, there, when there's a disclosure like this, there could be a cancellation of the procurement if the agency de reasonably determines that the disclosure was harmful and that that's the best way to preserve the integrity of the procurement process. In instances where an agency doesn't wanna go that far and chooses not to cancel, um, you know, the, the rule is that GAO will sustain a protest only where the protester can demonstrate that the recipient of the information received some sort of unfair competitive advantage or that they were otherwise competitively prejudiced by the disclosure. So that, that really is, is the biggest issue is was the disclosure harmful? Was there competitive prejudice? Was the integrity of the process tainted? So Christian, that sounds pretty similar to typical OCI, like unequal access uh, concerns or other uh, unfair competitive advantage concerns when say an offer hires a former government employee. Is it, is it pretty much the same standard, just kind of a different situation applying uh, as, as in those situations? Yeah, I mean, the analysis is very similar, um, whether you wanna label it, you know, PIA or, or an OCI or UCA, you know, pick your acronyms, whichever you like. So it's the same analysis that boils down to whether the release of the information provided competitors with an unfair competitive advantage. And in those cases, Rob, GAO presumes that an offeror with access to competitively sensitive information uses it, barring evidence to the contrary. So Rob, the question then becomes, what is evidence to the contrary? And that is a very fact-specific analysis. Um, you know, depending on the situation, if the information has been clawed back quickly, if it didn't spread, if whoever got it, you know, can demonstrate that they've deleted it, that they firewalled people, um, you know, all of those things go into an analysis of, of whether just the possession of the information has irrevocably tainted the procurement. But, you know, didn't the agency have, have a point, at least to an extent here? Um, you know, they can only control government websites and the release of information. So in that fact-specific analysis, you know, for example, what else could the agency have done here? That's a good point, Rob. Um, I mean, in this case, the agency could have reached out to competitors. I mean, there's some discussion in the in the decision about the fact that they chose not to because they didn't want to highlight the error. But then, you know, not surprisingly, one of the competitors found the information and, and brought it to DIS's attention, um, which is an awkward situation for everybody um, and could have been potentially avoided had, had DISA put out an announcement. Um, and, you know, it's it's a tough situation for the agency because you can see the the rationale that you don't want to draw attention to it, and it was blasted out publicly. Um, but certainly, they could have tried to to do something here. I mean, I, I, the decision also talks about the fact that Immersat itself 
reached out to you know what are called government data aggregators who you know comb the the SAM website for solicitations and likely pulled the information down. They reached out to the aggregators to try to stem um, you know the, the bleeding and, and try to get them to acknowledge that they were going to remove it. But obviously that couldn't be 100% successful, but it, it, it was at least something. Um, so there's a variety of options open to the agency. And I think in most cases that we've seen in this area, GAO gives a lot of deference to the agencies. I think this was a case that was just so egregious um, that GAO had to step in and, and point out that you, you can't just walk away from this. Yeah, no, certainly a lot of compounding facts in this one. You know, just one other item I noticed in this decision wanted to call out and ask you about was the agency in the solicitation included um, something interesting that I haven't seen much before, an organizational and consultant conflict of interest certification that required offerors to certify to the best of their knowledge, information, and belief after a diligent inquiry that uh, the offer has not depended on or utilized any data for proposal preparation that was inadvertently released. You know, so it seems like even though the agency didn't call out the release to offers, they, they put in this certification, kind of, uh, you know, self-certification that you firewalled or didn't rely on the information. You have any thoughts on, uh, on, on that certification or the use of such certifications or why it wasn't uh, sufficient here? Yeah, I mean, I've seen stuff like this before, but I mean, the problem with this is you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, right? And this goes to the point of GAO presuming that offerors with access to the information will use it, absent clear contrary evidence. Um, and in this situation, just having somebody sign a certification, you know, doesn't really unsee the information for them if they've seen it. Um, and interestingly here, Rob, the, the agency didn't even try to actually use this as a mitigation measure. Instead, the agency told GAO that the certification wasn't a mitigation measure. It wasn't designed to protect Immersat, but it was rather to protect the other competitors from supposedly being misled. No, all good points, Christian. So why don't we uh, switch gears a bit? And you know, you were kind of already touching on, on you know, what offers can do or the impact to to, to offers. So Olivia, why don't you help us out? You know, thinking about this from the contractor's perspective. You know, if you are the contractor whose information is released, you know, what do you do? What can you do? Um. So I I think. Immerset here did it all, right? They immediately notified the agency that their information had been released in the draft RFP document. Um, it, it prompted a PIA investigation by by the agency. Ultimately, that resulted in, in the wrong conclusion that there was no competitive harm to Immerset here. Um, you know, the step that Christian mentioned where uh, the protester went out to contact the, the aggregators that may have had their competitively sensitive information seeking to get it, it pulled down from their sites, you know, that's a, a step beyond what we normally, you know, hear of happening, but, you know, totally justified here. Uh, and then, you know, obviously um, they went ahead and they filed a pre-award protest where they felt that the the agency's cosmetic fixes to the the, the way the CLIM pricing was structured wasn't going to um, solve for the, the harm they'd suffered. 
Thanks, Olivia. And with respect to those various steps that you can take, you know, one of the ones that you mentioned and that Imarset did here was filing a PIA uh, or requesting a PIA investigation, filing a PIA complaint. Um, you know, so just uh, listeners beware, there, there's a, an additional deadline to be aware of when you're dealing with the PIA. You're going to want to file that uh, within 14 days of when you became aware of the issue. You know, it's one of those instances where you actually have to file sooner than you otherwise would for typical protest deadlines. So make sure you get um, that PIA uh, complaint and request for an investigation in earlier if you want to preserve that issue for a protest. So. Olivia, that's the that's from the contractor's side who their information was released. What about if you're the, if you're a competitor and you discover, you know, in a hidden worksheet or somewhere else that your competitor's information has been released? That's certainly an awkward position because, you know, query whether that gives you a competitive advantage or not, but certainly an awkward position. But but what can or, or what, what consideration should you be thinking of? So certain actions that, you know, to take under consideration where you've got employees who are discovering a competitor's information um, that has been released, uh, one would be to firewall the employee if possible um, and, and remove whatever data had been obtained about the competitor from your servers so that, you know, other employees within the company aren't going to stumble upon it. Um, another consideration is to notify the agency. There would be a number of reasons to do so. One uh, is, you know, would be a selfish re reason that you wouldn't necessarily want to go through the time and expense of responding to a solicitation where the, the, the ultimate result may be that it gets blown up because of the inadvertent release. You know, talking about this in the abstract, but this is exactly what happened in this Amarset case is that after the release of the solicitation, one of the, the competitors who was going to bid reached out to DISA and let DISA know that it, it had employees who found the, the pricing Excel document that had been released as part of the draft RFP. And uh, once the, the employees realized the competitively sensitive nature of the pricing information that was contained in it, you know, went through their proper compliance ch channels, alerted um, alerted somebody who who reached out to to DISA. That competitor here had to firewall two key uh, proposal members and, um, and and also removed all that information from its server. But this was you know one of those cases where you're reading paragraph by paragraph and it just gets crazier and crazier. And and then you get to this paragraph and you've got competitors who are. Um, expressing their frustration at the way that DISA uh, hadn't alerted anybody uh, back when the draft RFP was issued, which could have prevented, you know, their em employees from stumbling upon the information and, and accidentally looking at it before realizing what they what they had. Yeah, no, that's, that's certainly uh, one of, if not even the main takeaway, that this was a unique situation. I mean, how often do you have not only the protesters saying, blow it up, cancel the procurement, and then you you come in and in, in the record, you find a letter from another competitor saying, you should blow up this procurement. Um, so, you know, I guess I guess part of this is take everything here with a grain of salt, but, but the legal principles are sound and thinking about how to approach these issues, thinking about the considerations, if you find yourself in this situation, certainly a helpful guidepost in this decision. So um, again, fact specific, but if you have, if you happen to encounter this situation or you find any questions with this, free to give us a call. We're happy to, to walk through or talk through any of these issues in further detail. And with that, as always, thanks for listening. The All Things Protest podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mooring LLP. 
You can find more information at kroll.com slash all things protest.